Let's pray before we begin our Torah study this morning. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I'm continuing with the theme from last night, which was called Apprehending Your Future. This morning's message is entitled, Your Future is Coming for You. You see, God has plans. He has a hope and a future for you, and it's coming for you. God's plans are coming for you, and he has every intention, and he'll accomplish everything that he sets out to do. So I want to talk to you today about your future and how you can apprehend your future. And I wanna share with you two keys to apprehending your future that are not available to just everyone, but they can be available to you. You see, everyone who wants to apprehend their future can use certain approaches, good planning, getting wise counsel from others, obtaining the training that they need, and of course, practice, 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 as well as developing competency and discipline. It's also important to secure enough resources. All of these things contribute to success and they work for everyone. But this morning, I wanna share with you two keys to apprehending your future that are not available to everyone. These keys, however, can be available to you. Those who trust in the Lord, those who live the life of faith have additional keys to establish their future. These are only available to those who trust the Lord and live the life of faith and faithfulness. Before I share those two keys with you this morning, I want to start our study today by reminding you of some things that are foundational. First of all, everything in the life of faith starts with the fear of the Lord, having respect for God, holding him in awe, honoring him, trusting him, being loyal to him. And I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 25, verses 12 through 15. And some of you can write that in the contact for the benefit of others. Psalm 25, verses 12 through 15. This psalm talks about the great benefits and the blessings that come to those who fear the Lord. This was one of the scriptures that I first memorized when I was a brand new believer, I, I memorized this. I made a little song. I would sing to Sandy, not to anyone else. I'm not going to sing it to you, but a little song that helped me keep this in my heart. Here's what the word said. Psalm 25, starting in verse 12. Who is the one who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. The he there is the Lord. The Lord will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity and his seed or his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. You see, the one who fears the Lord will receive instruction. Instruction about the way he should choose. You and I need wisdom and guidance in order to choose well. And it all starts with the fear of the Lord. Verse 15 goes on 
to speak about the safety and the protection that we can experience when our eyes are continually toward the Lord, he will pluck our feet out of the net. He will rescue us from snares and traps. And that leads to another scripture that I want us to review together. I think it's familiar to many of you, but it's worth remembering during times like these when there's so much uncertainty and people can actually despair about their future and they can actually be tempted to think that there is no future, no future good, only sorrow and trouble. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 this is a scripture that is worth memorizing, it's worth writing down, it's worth keeping available in every way that you might need it. This is what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. What a great word from the Lord that is. But it's also interesting about the context, the greater context that this particular verse is found in. This prophetic statement was given at a time when Israel was going into exile, a period of life where they would be sent to Babylon, and there was so much that was unsettled about Israel's future. There was exile ahead. The exile was going to happen, and the prophet Jeremiah, like all of Israel, was, was troubled. What is our future? And the Lord had an answer that even this exile did not negate the plan for Israel's future. Just because there's trouble ahead, it doesn't mean that God does not have a plan. That's an idea worth writing in your own words and with your own thoughts in the comments section to share with other people. Even though there may be trouble, God still has a plan. Just because there's trouble, it doesn't mean God does not have a plan. When there's trouble, God still as a plan. There are a lot of ways that you could put it. I would encourage you to think about it and to write in your own words in the comment section right now, if, you're, if you can, to write in your own words your way of expressing this. Even when there's trouble ahead, it doesn't mean that God does not have a plan. You see, God is still in control even when there's trouble. Well, let's read a few more verses so we can get the context of Jeremiah 29. And we'll start in verse 10, just one verse earlier. For this is what the Lord says, when Babylon's 70 years are complete, I will attend to you and confirm my promise to restore you to this place. Verse 11, this is the one we all love. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, and then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You see, after a time in exile, when that time is complete, that's when the Lord says it will be the time for restoration to Israel. You see, God has plans. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Could someone write in the comment section, God says, I know the plans I That's worth emphasizing as well in the comment section. I encourage you to participate in the comment section because when you listen and you take something to heart and then 
and you put something in your words that captures what you're understanding, it makes great impact on you. It's a way of actively participating. You activate your faith by your participation in this way. God says, I know the plans I have for you. These are not our plans. They're his plans, not our plans, his plans. Think about it. Yeshua taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the human temptation? We want our will to be done. But Yeshua taught us, if we're his disciples, we learn to pray as disciples to the Lord, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about what we're trying to accomplish. It's all about what God will accomplish. He has plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. So this isn't about your dreams. It's not about my dreams. It's not about what we hope for ourselves. It's rather about what God hopes for us. It's not your vision board. It's not your 10-year plan. It's not your 30-year plan. It's not about your plan. It's about his plan, not yours. You see, it's good to remember that God is causing all things to work together for good, for those who love him and are called to his highest purposes. God has plans that are beyond our plans. These are secrets from the Lord, his plans that are good for you. And with that in mind, I want us to turn um, to the topic that I mentioned at the very beginning, two keys that will help you apprehend your future. The first key we find in this week's Torah portion, and the second key we'll find in the Haftor portion. So here's the first key. I'm going to say it several different ways, but here's, a, here's one version. The fellowship that we have with the Lord puts us in a position to apprehend our future. Let me say it another way with a, a few more ideas. The fellowship that we have with the Lord and the service that we give him put us in a position to apprehend our future, specifically the future that God has planned for us. Your fellowship with the Lord is a key to even recognizing your future and moving into it. And even when you do discover your future that God has for you, there will be obstacles as Abraham discovered. So with that in mind, let's read from this week's Torah portion, Genesis 18, verses 1 through 11 is the passage I want to read with you. And it starts this way. Adonai appeared to Abraham. And I want to amplify that to capture what the Hebrew is really saying. Adonai appeared visibly and physically to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as Abraham sat at the entrance to the tent during the heat of the day. This was not a vision that Abraham had. It wasn't a dream while he was sleeping. This was a real encounter with God who made himself visible and made himself physically present to Abraham. It's very similar to when God appeared to Adam in creation at Ganadam, at the Garden of Eden, when the Lord would walk and Adam could hear him. The Lord would speak and Adam could hear him. Adam would speak and the Lord could hear him. The sound of the Lord and the physical presence of the Lord was real for Adam and it was real for Abraham. Verse 2, 
Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and there in front of him stood three men. On seeing them, Abraham ran from the tent door to meet them. He prostrated himself on the ground and he said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please don't leave your servant. Please let me send for some water so that you can wash your feet and then rest under the tree. And I'll bring you a piece of bread. Now that you've come to your servant, refresh yourselves before going on. Very well, they replied, do what you have said. Verse six, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and he said, quickly, three measures of the best flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd. He took a good tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. Maybe this is the first case of fast food. Verse eight, and then he took curds, milk, and the calf which he had prepared and set it all before the men. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. This is so fascinating. The Lord appears in the form of a man with company. And those are angels who also appear in the form of men. And it's not just surreal. It's actually physically real. That's why they could eat the food that had been prepared for them. Verse 9, they said to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, they're in the tent. He said, who's the he here? Verse 10, the Lord said, I will certainly return to you around this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah heard him from the entrance of the tent behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Sarah was long past the age of childbearing. There's much more to this story, and I hope you become familiar with it. This particular Torah passage, the Parsha for this week, is rich with content and worth looking at carefully. But I want to focus on this part. You see, God came to Abraham, and he came to Sarah with a purpose and a plan. And it was to open up a new and an unexpected chapter in the life of Abraham and Sarah, one that would be good for them, but they couldn't achieve on their own, and one that would ultimately bless and benefit all of humanity. God appeared physically and visibly to Abraham. That's what the Hebrew says. It's very concrete. It's very, very clear how God appeared. Maybe you've wondered where in Torah can you find Yeshua, the physical and the visible presence of God? Well, here's a great place right here in Genesis. Abraham has fellowship with the Lord. And during that time of fellowship with hospitality, with food, with drink, with milk, with curds, the Lord reveals the future for Abraham and Sarah. The Lord will come back in a year and Sarah will have a baby boy at that time. Well, you might say that's impossible. Yes, it is. But it is the way it happened. With God, all things are possible. And I want you to pay close attention to this because this is part of the pattern I want you to ask. Abraham took time to fellowship with the Lord. Some people never apprehend their future because they're too busy. They don't have time to fellowship with the Lord. They don't have time for God. They're so busy trying to make a future for themselves. <clears throat> and that's not the way 
That's not the way to live, folks. Take time to fellowship with the Lord and to serve him. That's what Abraham did. He took time to fellowship with God. He took time to serve the Lord. And that's the moment when God opened up the future for Abraham and Sarah. It was very personal. It wasn't general. It was their future. Fellowship with the Lord and service to the Lord, that's the first key to apprehending your future that I wanted to share with you today. The second key is found in the Haftor portion this week. <clears throat> Fellowshipping with God's people uniting your service to the Lord by serving his people. That's the second key that I want to focus on. Let's look at the story of the Shunammite woman and the prophet Elisha or Elisha in Hebrew, but we'll use his more common English pronunciation. As we read this passage, I want you to pay attention to the details that describe the fellowship that Elisha and the Shunammite woman had together and the description of the woman's service to the Lord and to Elisha. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4. So could you write this in the comments section? 2 Kings 4 verses 8 through 17. It's a fascinating story, one of several really valuable and interesting stories in this week's Haftor portion, but we're going to focus on this one, starting in verse 8. One day, Elisha visited Shunem. And a well-to-do woman, a rich woman living there, pressed him to stay and eat a meal. After this, whenever he came, whenever he came through, he stopped there for a meal. And the woman said to her husband, I can see that this is a holy man of God who keeps stopping at our place. Please, let's build him a little room on the roof. We'll put a bed and a table in it for him and a stool and a candlestick. And then whenever he comes to visit us, he can stay there. Verse 11, one day Elisha came to visit there and he went into that upper room to lie down. He said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she arrived, he said to Gehazi, tell her this. So Elisha is speaking to her through Gehazi, tell her this. You have shown us so much hospitality. What can I do to show you my appreciation? Do you want me to say anything to the king for you or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I'm happy living as I do among my own people. And so he said, well, what then is to be done for her? Elisha asked that question out loud to Gehazi. And Gehazi said, well, there is one thing she does not have a son. And her husband is old. And Elisha said, we'll call her. And after he called her, she stood in the doorway and Elisha said, next year, when the season comes around, you will be holding a son. No, my Lord, she answered, man of God, don't lie to your servant. But the woman did conceive. And she gave birth to a son the following year when the season came around, just as Elisha had said to her. You see, God had a plan for this woman and her husband to have a child together. They had had so many years together. Years had passed. They had wealth. They were rich, but they didn't have a family. Their future would end with themselves. 
Even so, they showed hospitality. They served the Lord by serving Elisha and Gehazi. The Lord decided that he would bless that couple with a son. And he brought the message to this woman through Elisha and Gehazi. And that part of the couple's future was realized only through fellowship and service to the Lord's people. Fellowship with the Lord and serving the Lord. Fellowship with God's people and serving them. These are two keys that we have that help us apprehend our futures. When we're, when we're looking at these particular passages, it reminds me of miracle children, the, the very topic of miracle children in our congregation at Beth Israel. There are many families that have miracle children. And not only that, there are many adults in the congregation who, who were miracle children. They shouldn't be alive. They shouldn't exist, but they do because of the favor of God, because God did a miracle for them and for their family. Not only that, but there are many people in our, many families in our congregation who have adopted children and have brought them into their family. And this is another kind of miracle. It's another kind of blessing because those children would have been orphans. They would have been all alone. But because of the love of God that was expressed through a husband and wife that opened their hearts to them, these children ceased to be orphans and became part of the mishpacha. In our congregation are a number of adults who were adopted. And now they live great lives. They, they are so meaningful to the congregation. They're so important to us. Our life would be much more, uh, how can I say it, deficient. It would lack so much if we didn't have these people in our lives. And so we salute all of the miracle children, all of the families that have miracle children. We salute all of the families that have adopted children and all of the adults who were adopted. And we say, thank you, because you're a revelation of the mercy of God, of the comfort of God, of the power of God, and how he sets the solitary in family. It's a beautiful revelation. And I know this. I know, Mishpocha, that we're living in a time right now. We're at a time of great uncertainty. It's a time when many people are just wondering what's ahead. And, and I can't tell you what's ahead, but I can tell you this. God is in charge of our futures. And if we want to really apprehend our futures and to receive the future that God has for you that's coming for you, I encourage you to learn from Abraham and to have fellowship with the Lord, and to take time and minister to the Lord. Take time in your schedule to be with him, to fellowship with him, to speak to him, not just making petitions to him, and not just when you're gathered with other people like we may be today, but when you're just by yourself or with a loved one. Take time to fellowship with the Lord and minister to him, not just to receive, but because you love him, to give him all praise, all glory.
in all honor. And I can tell you this, as you're ministering to the Lord, as you're fellowshipping with him, there may be times when God decides to open up to you his plans for your future. These are plans that he's had in mind. They're the secret things that Psalm 25 was talking about. These are the things that will, that will bring such fulfillment to you that it will actually amaze you. You will be stunned sometimes when God does for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Remember this, our lives are hidden in Messiah. God is the one who's watching over our lives. The, the mountains may shake, but God is in charge. Don't put your hope in the newscast that you watch. Don't allow your, your sense of confidence and security and your hope about the future to be diminished by the events in this world. I would rather encourage you to fellowship with the Lord and to receive confidence from him. Don't fret. It'll just bring you harm. It won't do any good for you. But instead, put on your faith and express it in fellowship with the Lord. And don't stop there. Fellowship with God's people and serve together. Continue to serve the Lord by serving his people. And I can tell you this, as you do that, as you do these two keys, you'll be surprised, but God will open up parts of your future that he's been planning and he's been preparing, not according to your plans, not according to your intentions, but according to his, and he will accomplish what he sets in mind to do. So when I talk about apprehending our futures, I mean to discover our futures and to seize, to lay hold of them, to experience them so that they would open up for us. It's very practical when you think about it. So I want to encourage you to receive the blessing from earlier in our service and join the AFS um, anti Fretting Society United. Thank you, Sandy, for starting up this great society. You and Tanya really brought forth something great uh, yesterday through uh, your sharing of that scripture from Psalm 37, honey. Come stand here with me. Yeah, this is uh, one of the charter members of AFS. <laughs> <laughs> the charter member along with Tanya. So, um, we're just hoping and praying for you that you'll find your stability, your peace, your hope in God's plans for you and for all of us. And so we're going to close with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And now we're going to close with Aaron's blessing. So from Sandy and me, from Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi Zanina, from all of us at Beth Israel, we say thank you for joining with us today. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Don't fret. <laughs>